morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. I'm going to do announcements this morning. I know. It's because I forgot to assign somebody to do announcements. I know. So it's going to be short. Oh, there's Janie. All right, I'll go to have Janie do announcements for me. Like, 
Have you ever walked into an environment and it didn't feel right? Like it's haunted or something? That's what it felt like. And um, it's like I couldn't wait to get back on the other side. And I just can't imagine. You know, there was a church in East Berlin that prayed and that was faithful. And uh, they brought down the wall. I, I probably should have preached on Jericho today, right? I know. I wonder how many people are preaching on Jericho today. Not me. All right. Um, <laughs> let's pray. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this gorgeous day. We thank you for our freedoms. We thank you for those that fought for freedom and, and world leaders that, that said, you know what, we're going to be faithful to uh, freeing the oppressed. God, I am so incredibly thankful that there are no walls around us for what we believe, uh, for where we're at. I thank you so much. It's so messed up our system can be. We still value freedom. And I pray that that value still continue. Uh, thank you. Thank you for, for all the Christians that prayed that thing down. You know, I pray that you would do the same in our lives. Pray down walls that are keeping us in bondage. We love you. Amen. Alright, so uh, we are, we're in this series. It's, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's wrapping down. We have, a, we have two more sermons left on the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, I kind of, I, I, I skipped one accidentally. So this week we're on faithfulness. And uh, next week is self-control. I know. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you commit next Sunday. You're gonna you're gonna prick your finger and you're gonna sign on your bulletin that I will be here Sunday and I will listen to Mako's message on self-control. I know. But no one wants to hear about this. But how many people need it? All right. Everybody. Raise your hands. Everybody raise your hands. Everybody needs some self-control. So Mako's going to be preaching on that. And then the last one, we're going to recap on love. Basically, we tried all the food together. And they are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, generosity, yeah, self-control. Alright. We got it. Pretty much. And faithfulness today. Faithfulness. Uh, okay, we don't really have much of a decent grasp of the definition of what faithfulness is. And uh, so let's look at it. Because it's faithfulness, because if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to think that faithfulness and, and patience are the same thing, but they're not. Okay, patience translates into long-suffering. So uh, so what's the difference between long-suffering and being faithful? Uh, there, there is a, there is a, a nuance Eventually, all of these things are blending together because they are the graces, they are the character of Christ. Uh, these are the things that we ought to be focusing on so we don't fall into law. You know, if you want people, if you want to grow in your faith, focus on these graces. You want to attract people out of, out of uh, depression and, and difficult situations and, and spiritual bondage, don't use the rule book to do it. Use these graces to do it. And so this is, and it's faithfulness is, it's not, it's not long-suffering. It's actually closely related to the other fruit of goodness, or what we call generosity, benevolence. That's how goodness is translated. It's, the true word is generosity or benevolence. Uh, faithfulness is closer to that. Because uh, the faithfulness that we're going to be talking about today is the idea that there is a... <sighs> A oneness, uh, 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 I hate to say self-centeredness, but it is this uh, being an inter integrated part of who we are. It, it is the faithful attitude. It is it is um, integrity is the word, and that's that's like your first film. So faithfulness is it is it's integrity. That's why that's why goodness and faithfulness are are, are the you know. They're the coin. They're different sides of the same coin. So, first film that you have here is it's that faithfulness is closely related to goodness and integrity. And the idea behind the whole thing it, it's this, it's this oneness of spirit. Um, integrity is the idea that uh, we're secure in who we are. That we not only do we know who we are, but we know who we are in Christ. We know who we, we know what God has called us to be. 
here's, the, here's what it is not. This is what's important. We are not fractured. So the integrity is like an integer, right? For all you math nerds out there, integer is like this one single thing. I, was, I got a C minus in math. So I'm make fun of math people. Uh, so integer is this one thing in compared to a fraction. And so faithfulness is being, having the security of knowing that we are one with ourselves instead of being fractured of soul. Does that make sense? Okay, do you ever feel like you're, you're just, you're broken inside, you're fractured inside? Okay, that is not faithfulness. That is our heart being faithful to a lot of different things all at once. Design, not a not faithfulness is the wrong idea. It is our heart being torn apart by multiple desires or multiple yearnings and not and not being not knowing what God really wants of us. That's the idea of being fractured. So uh, being faithful is being faithful to the one thing. That one thing. And uh, well, as we're gonna get into this, it is it is Jesus, it is God. Um, Psalms 86 says, 86 11 says, Teach me your ways, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. And here we go. Give me an undivided heart. Undivided heart. So true faithfulness in the Lord means that we, we don't have a divided, fractured heart. Because we, our heart desires one thing, and one thing only, and that is the Lord. Oh, man. Could you imagine if the only thing that your heart desired was the Lord or the presence of the Holy Spirit or the graces or the character of Christ? Could you imagine that that's the only thing your heart desired? Your, your heart's desire. It's actually an extremely scary thought. It is, it, you look, God will give you the desires of your heart. You pray scary prayers like, God, I want to be filled with the fullness of your spirit. You better be careful making sure that that's what you really want. Because when you get it, it's, it's, it's scary, it's beautiful, it's peaceful, it is transformation, it can also be extremely painful. You gotta make sure you really, you know, you want what you pray for. So, yeah, it's the issue of the heart. It is the undivided heart, it's the faithful heart. Number two is that faithfulness is expressed with, and we all can identify with this, faithfulness is expressed with loyalty. Okay, that kind of goes into the, the patience aspect of, of the word that's expressed by loyalty. More importantly, courage. Courage is different than patience in this aspect. Because courage says you are not only just faithful to, I don't know, faithful to your spouse, Faithful to your job, faithful to your church, but when we when we weave in this area of courage, that's all on you. That means that you are faithful to your calling. That's different than long suffering because courage means that you, because God has He God. Okay, I have some bad news for all of you. I have some really bad news for all of you. God has called. He has called you for a very specific thing. And you might be thinking to yourself, I don't want to be called. Well, you know what? You're in the building, so I'm sorry. You are here. That means there's something about you that desires to be closer to God. He's placed a call on every single one of you. He wants you. There's a specific thing that he wants you to do. And here's the, here's the, here's the terrifying truth. Um, it, you have to do it. Like the seed's been planted, the call has been set forth. And you have been commissioned to do something. And if you don't do it, there's two options. If you don't do what God has called you to do, here are the two options. One, he's going to get somebody else to do it. And that happens. And the big picture of what God has got planned in his, you know, in his overall big picture, like he's coming back someday, sooner rather than later. Jesus is returning to the planet. He's coming. Get ready. And he, he's called people to fulfill his purpose. And his purpose will be accomplished. And if you don't do it, he's going to replace you. Man, you know what? God has told me and called me to do some very specific things 
I was unfaithful. You know what he did? He used somebody else. So if you think that you are God's gift to, to I don't know, creation and to the church or spirituality or whatever, uh, guess what? He can replace you in his big picture, okay? So that, that doesn't feel good, by the way. When you are unfaithful and God uses somebody else, uh, you have to go, you have to process a series of emotions from jealousy to, to bitterness to apathy, and it doesn't feel good. But you have to get, that's what you have to work on because that's what you chose in your unfaithfulness. So that's the options. You get one, you get replaced. Doesn't feel good. You know what's worse? The realization that God has called you to do a very specific thing that only you can do. Oh, that feels worse. It is God's will that all humanity goes to heaven. That's his will. He says it, he states it. He says that all will come to the saving knowledge of the grace of Jesus. It's God's will. Is it happening? It's not. We know this. This is our experience. We know it to be true. God's will is not happening. And this is this is where my theology is coming out. So just bear with me. I'm not a Calvinist. Maybe Monday I will be. But today I'm not. If you don't do that specific thing, it's not going to get done. And that's on you. So your lack of faithfulness will, might mean that, well, God's created you specifically to do it, and if it doesn't get done, it doesn't happen. And, and the kingdom of heaven doesn't advance in the way that God envisioned it. That's, that breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. Do you know that we can create? We create life. You know that your 15 and 16 year old daughters in their days, you begin to realize this. Oh my gosh, they can create life. Let's, let's start teaching guilt and shame so that something doesn't happen. That's how I that's how I did youth group. Guilt and shame, you guys. You guys have premarital sex, you're going to hell. You're just you're gonna get some STD and things are going bad for you. You should be I know, that, that's not what I should teach, but that's what I did. I didn't have a pregnancy when I was youth pastor. No, no, that's not that's not appropriate. But that's not God's heart. But you see what I did? I used religion to keep kids in abstinence at work for a season. Uh, now they might have issues, I don't know. Uh, we can create life. We are made in God's image. I believe that we are made in his image, Imago Day. And and not only can can we reproduce physically, but we create life with our words. We create life by our very actions. Or our inactions, we can create death. We can actually kill with our words. Sticks and stones may break my bones, words will never hurt me. Big giant fat lie. Words are destructive. They're deadly. Out of the mouth towards the evil of the heart. And that's fine. So, um, there's something that God has designed you to create, to actually come into existence. What? He commissioned Adam and Eve to name, to name the animals. Like, okay, obviously Adam and Eve didn't create the animals, but you know what they did create? Their names. They spoke the names into the animals. They named them. You know what God said? I want you to name the animals, and I'm really curious as to what you're going to come up to because you've been made in my image and you can create. That's interesting, right? Talk about those in the future. Well, another day, I promise. <laughs> another day, okay? I don't want to hurt your heads too much. We are, we are part of God's active creation, so it's important. So that, that's the area of courage. And then another little pillow on that uh, is to be principle-driven. So faithful people are principle-driven. This is point number two still. They're principle-driven. They're committed. They're utterly reliable, but the next little fill-in there is they are true. They are true to one's word. Now, truth is also an extremely important part of, of this faithful, this attitude, because um, different from patience, 
Truth is saying, I am true to my word. What I say, I mean what I say. It's, it's a difficult thing to do, to, to walk into that type of faithfulness. But to let your yeses be yes and your noes be no is, is, is actually the faithful heart. It's actually the fruit of the Spirit. And so, uh, true to one's word, what you see to what you get. And, uh, and then again, this, with goodness, it's all, part of the, it's all side of the same coin. Psalms 85.11, faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. Alright, next point is faithfulness is not opportunistic. This is tough. Okay, faithfulness is not opportunistic. So there, like God, there is an unconditional quality to this area of faithfulness. Now a lot of you, probably most of you, are faithful to your workplace, your work environment, right? There's a contract. What's the contract? contract is you, somebody signs your check. So once that check is not signed, are you going to continue to be faithful? Well, they've been unfaithful to me. Yeah? So, so this is, in some way, when you are faithful to your work, there's an opportunistic element involved, or at least there's a conditional element involved. Now you have to think about uh, when, you are, when you're faithful in relationships, what's your motivation? Is, do you see a relationship as an opportunity? They're going to get me up the social ladder, or they're going to have, I don't know, physical needs met, or uh, I'm, I'm, I need to get something out of them, whether they need to fulfill you know, an emotional void that's in my heart. So, okay, so you're faithful to your spouse. Why? Why? Is it unconditional? Or do you, are, you, are you in the relationship to get something out of it? Are you finding opportunity? Okay, let me push it a little bit further. Um, you're faithful to your church. A large majority of you are extremely faithful to Grand Creek. I, I'm so incredibly blessed to, to lead you because I'm blown away at your faithfulness. We've celebrated 35 years as a church. And some of you saw me as a baby. Isn't that the coolest thing in the world? <laughs> Sheila's birthday yesterday. She saw me as a baby. Isn't that cool? Happy birthday. Rabbit Trail, should we sing happy birthday? Yeah. All right, Rabbit Trail, let's go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sheila. Happy birthday to you. You get to celebrate her faithfulness. All right, so I get to preach up here, but you know where she's at? In the kitchen. Even to this day, she's preparing for a funeral service. Faithful, faithful. Wow. She puts up with my lousy sermons. Extremely faithful. Amazing. Alright, where was I? Rabbit trouble. Alright, yeah, it's not opportunistic. Okay, so, I don't know, maybe you've seen this, but being faithful to church. Probably your own only motivation should be to connect with God. Be, you ought to be hungry for the Holy Spirit. Like, man, that ought to be your heart's desire. That would be the I mean, fellowship and community and worship and discipleship and learning. Yeah, all those things are great. But man, your desire should be, I ought to connect with the Holy because that's the only thing that really matters is me connecting with the Holy. In our culture, there has been a, let me tell you a story. When I was in the South, I was trying to find a church home. Extremely difficult. Um, I would go to the Presbyterian Church. I, I wasn't Scottish, so I didn't fit in there. I went to the Anglican Church. I wasn't English, so I didn't fit in there. I went to the, the Baptist Church. I, I didn't fit in because I was white. It was really awkward. And uh, so there was... It's had a very difficult time fitting in and finding a place. And uh, I noticed that yeah, things have changed dramatically, by the way. They've had a little bit of a, of a 
revival in, in the South, or a true revival. But what I noticed was that there was, there was a really fine line in Southern culture between church and cocktail parties, or church and uh, chamber of commerce meetings. Because in church, you, you go to church to network, to work on your social status, to pass out business cards. And it looked. The, the truth of the matter is that people that are consistent in church life, they make more money than other people do. That's a, that's a, that's a real statistic. But going to church to find opportunity, to find your downline, to find a, make a sale, that, that you won't last long. You won't last long in this church. Because this church is about relationship. And if you stick around long enough, you'll be forced into a relationship with people and a relationship with God. And we're not going to buy your product. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you see what I'm saying, right? So faithfulness is not opportunistic. Because what happens? What, what's the experience when opportunity is, is missed, or when your needs aren't met, well, you just go somewhere else. You start passing out your business cards, or you try to get your uh, the other needs met in a different way. So forget about the business cards making money. People, it's an epidemic. People church hop all the time because they feel like their needs aren't getting met, or they're not being fed, or whatever it might be. But there's this holy disconnect, because they think that the church is there to fill a specific Boy, whether it's social or financial or whatever, whatever it might be. Now, the purpose of church is to connect people, to advance the kingdom of heaven, transform culture. That's what it's for. Good. All right, so it's not opportunistic. The Proverbs 14, do not those who plot evil go astray, but those who plan what is good and are faithful, and are, excuse me, but those who plan what is good and find love, so there's that connection with love, and are faithful. All right, next point on your outline on what faithfulness is. It is, uh, it is faithfulness is not love without truth. It's, it's not love without truth. See, every fruit of the Spirit has a counterfeit. This is the counterfeit to faithfulness. It's love without truth. What do I mean by that? Love without truth is saying, I love you, but I don't love you enough to tell you the truth. And that's not love. Uh, love without the counterfeit of faithfulness will say, I'm going to stick it out even though something needs to be said. Or I'm going, I'm going to put up with dysfunctional behavior and and, and Mask that as love rather than deal with the issue, rather than speak truth to love. See, faithfulness, just like all the other fruit, like love has to be woven in to each single fruit, and, and so does truth. So does truth. Truth is, truth says, <coughs> I love you enough to tell you the truth. Difficult things to do. It's easier to maintain a false sense of peace and a false sense of security. It's got to be. All right. Okay, so how do we actually increase in faithfulness? Now, the whole point of the series on the fruit of the Spirit is that we ought to be increasing in every single one of these. Actually, again, it is, uh, it's not the fruits, it is fruit. So we have to increase in all of them. It's difficult to do them all at the same time, but there's got to be this, this balancing act between the fruit and the spirit. And so how do we actually increase in becoming more faithful? It's, it's, very, it's difficult to do. And it's kind of almost like all the other ones, because it's what we're really talking about is not you being faithful. What we're really talking about is seeing faithfulness as living spiritual entity it, almost like if it's one of the gifts of the spirit see faithfulness let's face it you're not I am not we are unfaithful people that's the harsh reality of it 
Uh, one of my favorite books is, is Hosea. You guys know this story. Hosea was a, he was a prophet. He was a man of God. He, he, he understood God's voice all, like in an audible way, very clear, very humble, uh, very intentional about, about loving the people of God, loving Israel. And you know what God did? God made him marry a prostitute. What? God made him marry a prostitute. It is probably the largest sermon illustration ever put out there. Because the illustration is, okay, this is what it's like, folks. For me to be God and, and for me to be in a relationship with you, because you're like this prostitute. It's like, I have to marry the church. I have to marry the people of God. But you're unfaithful. You act like a hooker. So this is this is the relationship, and God says, "All right, Hosea, you're going to be my sermon illustration. I want you to marry a prostitute." And it, it's this, and he gets it. He, he's married into he's in a relationship. He's in a relationship to somebody that is unfaithful. And Hosea demonstrates the power of this illustration by remaining faithful to somebody that is unfaithful. That somebody that's consistently. So we do, the, the paradigm shift in increasing and growing in faithfulness is, here's the key, the key of the whole thing. First point is that it's not your faithfulness that you got to be focusing on. First point, when God calls us, God's called you. The first call that God puts in your life, in your heart, is to come and see. This is what he tells his disciples. This is not what I would have done, by the way. See, Jesus in the Christian faith, it is so powerful and it is so unique, and it says, okay, Jesus says, I am God in the flesh. I am the God man. I know you might have some issues with that, disciples, because you're good little Jewish boys and you guys know that God is one. I'm telling you that God is, that I, that I am God in the flesh. He says that. He said, but you know how we should respond? He said, I want you to come and see. Taste and see that the fruit is good. You test it. No other faith would do that. I don't even do that. I'm a faith guy. Uh, I'm big on faith because you can't please God without sight of faith. So I'll say, you don't have a right to come and see your question. You know, don't bring your skepticism and cynicism with me. You need to believe by faith. That's what I preach all the time. And Jesus didn't preach that way, did he? He said, I want you to come and see. Testament. You need to observe. And so when we come and when we see, I don't know, do what I did. I did a little study on faithfulness in the Bible, and I went through, and okay, Bible Gateway is amazing, especially when you're doing word studies. So you can, you can, you can type in faithfulness, and you can see the big long list. So I'm giving you my, my preaching secrets. So I'm giving you this big old long list, okay? And, um, You'll just see faithfulness from Old Testament to New Testament. And you know what I discovered? It ain't about me. It's not about me. Maybe a handful of verses that might reference the, the faithfulness of an individual. But you want to know what it's all about? It's all about his faithfulness to us. That's the key to this whole message. If you take anything away, okay, that's it right there. It, the key to the whole thing is that it is his faithfulness that he has called us to come and see and to come and test, to taste and to see that the fruit is good, that he is one and that he is true. That, that's, the, that's the whole thing. Now you all have, I don't know, maybe you're one right now, I don't know, but you all have people in your life that are skeptical, they have problems with God, I'm not going to make you raise your hand. We all have problems with God, folks. We all do, right? We have problems with God. This is... When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God some questions. But you know people that, that have some chronic issues with God in your life. And you have people that have been hurt and wounded by church, or they're just like, they're so outside of the culture, or they're so indoctrinated into the world system, that church just seems like a weird foreign thing. Like, what? I don't get it. Um, you can't argue people into faith. Apologetics don't work. I'm not saying you don't use your brain. 
There, there's this importance of recapturing the Christian mind going to be crucial and vital into promoting the, the gospel message forward in this next generation. We've got to be thinking Christians. There's no way around it. But at the same time, uh, like I have won intellectual arguments about God with non-believers. Are they sitting here? No. Because I didn't do what Jesus did. I did not say, come and see. Wait, you really want to know if there's a God? Ask him. Test him. Challenge God to make himself real in your life. If you dare. If you dare. That's the thing. See, people are afraid. People are afraid to actually let God into their hearts. That's why they put up all these facades that exist, or the atheism and truth is. And I know this to be true because it's my own experience. You get what you pray for. You ask God to come into your heart, you ask for the fullness of the Holy Spirit to be expressed in your life, scary prayers. He'll answer your prayer. He'll wreck you. And it's painful. It's also joyous. It is terrifying, but it's also the most incredible peace that you've ever experienced in your entire life. Scary. That's what the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord. That's what I'm talking about right there. Because you release control, you surrender to the Spirit. Scary stuff. Come and see. Test him out. If you're having issues whether you think he exists or not, say, pray scary prayers. God, make yourself real to me. Then you got then you have the responsibility to keep your eyes open. Dare say, well, I believe it was God. That was just my imagination. That was coincidence. God will quit playing with you if you do that kind of stuff. Take courage and jump on in. Go on a roller coaster ride with God. That's pretty much what it's like. Okay, so we have to observe. We have to come and see. Psalms 38. Taste to see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Just trust Him. Okay, the next thing that we got to do is we have to imitate. In order to increase in faithfulness, we have to imitate. And again, this is not this is not your uh, ability to. I'm going to be faithful. You can't because because you're basically like we commit spiritual adultery all the time. We're a bunch of streetwalkers. We we do it all the time. So it is not our faithfulness that's going to. To get us, we are unfaithful. We're unfaithful people. But we, in order to increase, we do have to imitate. And again, the Bible, I mean, it is chock full. Maybe a handful of verses about me being faithful, hundreds of verses about God's faithfulness. Hundreds. So, how do I increase the faithfulness? You focus on where God has been faithful and you imitate it. Because the come and see isn't just, okay, I'm just going to look and then I'm going to look. The come and see is, I'm going to look, and then I'm going to test it out. I'm going to taste it. So there's, a, there's an action involved, and, this, and imitating is the next step to the action. But I'm not a faithful person. Well, rip somebody off that is. See where God has been faithful. Act like him. When you read the gospel accounts on how Jesus would respond, and act like him. Pick up all the graces, on the fruit of the Spirit. Try those. Imitate those. The beautiful thing about the gospel message is there is no copyright on this thing. Meaning that you have free reign to rip off me and any other pastor that you hear. My I, I rip off people all the time. This message basically consists of a Presbyterian minister that I listen to, of a charismatic minister that I listen to, and even a Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> It is, it is free to be plagiarized. You guys like that one? I like Baptists. I like Catholics, too. Um, anyway, I ripped off a Catholic a couple weeks ago. Uh, uh, um, Father McNutt did an incredible work on teaching on supernatural healing in the 70s and early 80s. Foundation, one of the foundations of the Vineyard Revival Movement where the healing was broke loose. Okay. 
Um, anyway, so yeah, the, 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 if you, we are we are called to what, what? What's a Christian? A Christian is a little, it's a little Christ. It's a little mimicker. So yeah, you're not faithful, but you start acting like Jesus was. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're not happy. You have no joy. You start acting like somebody that does. It is it is the key to to success in a lot of things, really. Think about it. I don't have. It's not my act. It's not my nature to be nice. Start hanging out with nice people. Do what they do. Act like they act. The same is true with faithfulness. God's the most faithful entity in all existence. Start hanging around Him. Review your history where God has been faithful to you. Act on that. Get around people that are faithful. Be like them. I have Sheila in the kitchen. She's faithful. She feels that have been here 30 years. Hang out with them. Lean off of their faithfulness. Because it's not theirs, it's his. They, they learned this secret that, yeah, I don't feel like going to church today, but I'm going to be faithful because Jesus was faithful. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Paul says it best, of course. Oh, you, by the way, Paul, the Apostle Paul, the great theologian, you know who he ripped off? Jesus. I, I plagiarized Jesus all the time. Word for word. Got an idea and ran with it. You know, the beautiful thing about plagiarizing the gospel is that uh, it gets your own voice. It's almost like it's fresh revelation. God, I don't have the words to communicate the gospel. Well, this is Billy Graham. A lot. He'll, he'll start mimicking Billy Graham. He'll, he'll teach you how to evangelize. And even if Say it word for word what he says. And then pray for your own voice, your own creative spark, your own imago day. It's going to come. It's really cool when it does. It's really cool when your own voice gets connected with the gospel message. It's beautiful. So don't, don't feel bad about it. I'll play it. That's true. Never mind. I'm going to be quiet. I get myself out of trouble. Okay. Uh, all right. But Paul says it best, the master plagiarizer. And Christ Jesus said, can your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Isn't that interesting? I urge you to imitate me. I have sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, and here's the catch, who is faithful in the Lord. So Timothy mimicked, mimicked Paul so much, and, was, and, and Timothy was so faithful to Paul's teaching, that, that Paul kicked him out of the nest. And not only was Timothy able to do what Paul did, but Timothy also gained his own voice. Read about it. It's amazing. He's faithful in the Lord. Okay, he will remind you of my way of life in Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Cool, huh? Alright, last point. And this is Oh, this is the worst point. This is the one that you're not going to like. Why? Because I don't like it. In order to increase in faithfulness, we have to be consistent. Consistent. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know this is difficult stuff for me at Granite Creek because, you know, you, you, you become, what's the trap of being consistent in faithfulness, let's say in church? They can morph into religion, right? You start rattling off rosary beads, and you start, okay, I have to come to church consistently so I can make God happy. That's not good. That begins to fall into religion. I know, I know. I mean, consistency is something that I just don't preach because, well, I, what, what does Pastor Josh say? Well, you just come to church if you feel like you want to love God today. <clears throat> you just do what your heart tells you to do, right? We all know that's not true, but the best illustration I have is going to the gym. I could go once a month. I'm not going to get in shape. Nothing's going to happen except the pain, right? I'm going I'm to pull a calf muscle. People that go to church once a month 
They experience pain. They experience spiritual pain. They pull a calf muscle. They cry. <laughs> but it's the same thing. It really is. It's the same thing. So how how can look if you feel like you're spiritually dry and your and your you know your faith muscles are weak, you gotta work them out. You gotta work them out in church. Even if I go every other week to the gym, nothing happens. Once a week, not not really. Good news for you is that God only requires the Sabbath, just one day a week. Your gym requires you three days a week in order to get some progress, right? But it is actually a little bit more than that. God wants you every single day. He does. There's got to be this daily time of God. And again, you just got to be careful that you don't fall into a system of religion in order to, okay, I'm going to do this religious thing and because if I do, I can save myself. That's what that's the trap of consistency. I can save myself by going to church and doing my daily devo and my prayer time and all this kind of stuff. Yes, of course, connect to God because it is your heart's desire. But yeah, I don't feel like going to the gym. Right? But it is my heart's desire that I get in shape. So I make my body submit. I drag my lazy stuff out of the bed and I go to the gym. Same is true with our spiritual life. Same is true. Um, when Paul was talking about the fruit of Galatians, 522, and says, this is the better way, right? This is the better way. These nine things that we're focused on, this is the better way. Before he got into that, he's dealing with a group of people that were struggling with inconsistency. They have no, their spiritual gifts were drying up, their internal fruit was dead. And in Galatians <coughs> chapter 5, verse 7, before he goes into the fruit, he says this, that you were running a good race. You guys are doing pretty good. You guys were getting that, right? It's Jesus thing that we've been talking about. You guys got it. And he said, who, who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? And that's just the harsh reality of this Christian walk. Like, we just do this stuff. And be wary of somebody coming in and cutting you off. Now that somebody, it could be somebody. I don't know, it could be your neighbor, it could be your spouse, it could be your kids, it could be sporting events. Okay, so now I'm taking it away from somebody. It could be something that can cut into your life and drag you away from connecting with them. So it could be a situation. I don't know, maybe you're working too much. Maybe you've got too many extracurricular activities. Maybe you're Maybe you're, you're, you're so obsessed about being entertained all the time. These things are cutting in and taking you away from God. And if you're a part of this church, you know you have another foe besides yourself. And that is the enemy of God. This church is so key. This church is so important and so influential. The enemy of God wants to sin evil little demons cut in on you. I, I usually hate talking about this, but it's the truth. He wants to, wants you guys to fight, wants you guys, wants your marriage to, to suffer. He wants you guys to gossip, do all kinds of mean things to each other. That's what he wants. That's his desire. They cut in on you. Take you away from truth. Take you away from the spirit of truth. He doesn't want you to worship Done. So that's what we're going to do next. Worship the Spirit truth. I get the band and ushers come on up to the front. I don't know how I did on time. My clock here says that it's 3:18. So if I went over, I'm sorry.
Now, circling back to the very first point, you have to observe, again, this is not your faithfulness. What happens if, what happens if your main focus is on your faithfulness? What happens if you leave this place and the only thing that you focus on is your faithfulness or your unfaithfulness? I'm so unfaithful, I'm so unworthy. Or the other thing, I mean, I am so faithful, I'm just a spiritual giant. If you go out of here and all you're doing is focusing on your faithfulness or your unfaithfulness, um, you will commit spiritual adultery within a week. Focus on his faithfulness. You've got to be obsessed with his faithfulness. Uh, when you do, the imitating will follow, and the commitment will follow. Okay, like, yeah, I want to commit to this. Yeah, I want to be consistent. I, I, you're so faithful with me that yes, I'm going to. I'm going to be consistent in my walk with you. Amazing. Let's pray. God, right now we thank you so much for your faithfulness. God, I know that you have been exceedingly faithful to me, to my family, to this church, the ones that I love in this church who have been so faithful time and time and time again. God, may we just latch on, may we leech off of your faithfulness, may we get it hardwired into, into our vineyard, God. And we just take that nutrients from your ground as we become these living organisms of, that, that are functioning in the fruit, a holistic expression of your fruit. God, I pray that you just you forgive me for my moments of unfaithfulness, that you forgive me for my, my moments of doubt and questioning truth. Give this church in areas of unfaithfulness. God, I just pray that you just draw us into a deeper sense of who you are and what you can do in our lives. I pray that you bless this offering. I pray that it will just do amazing things for your kingdom this week. We love you.